TKO Ryan, the Wild Horse Stuff, aka the best around, and you will listen to the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast. You're listening to the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast with your host, Mark Madison. This episode's guest is TK Orion. Visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer. And now, here's your host, Mark Madison. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pro Wrestling Post Podcast, and I am joined by one-third of Ring of Honor's The Kingdom, TK Orion. Thank you, TK, for your time and your energy. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Um, so now, how and where did your initial passion for wrestling come about? Um, and what would you say, what was your inspiration for pursuing it as a career? My initial uh, passion for wrestling came when I was really young, because uh, my, my godmother's mother, I called her Nana, was like a huge Ric Flair fan. So really kind of before I even knew what I was watching, she'd like put me in front of the TV with her and we'd watch, like kind of explain what was going on. So like from a young age, I was exposed to like, uh, kind of like that main event style of uh, Ric Flair and the like. Uh, I just fell in love with it right away. Then I kind of forgot about wrestling until I was about seven or so. And uh, that was when I started watching on TV regularly and uh, followed it for a good amount of my life. Uh, but I was a pretty serious baseball player at one point. So uh, once baseball kind of took over, wrestling sort of took a backseat for me in like the terms of my, my fandom, I guess. But I, you know, I always kind of followed along with it. And then uh, once the baseball was all over for me and, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I'd pretty much taken that as far as I could go. Um, I was working uh, as uh, just doing the sort of jobs after college and, uh, you know, just making ends meet, doing whatever I was doing. And uh, then basically, you know, I just kind of came across uh, wrestling on TV again. And at the time, uh, oddly enough, like there was, there, WWE was really promoting that CM Punk Best in the World documentary. And uh, I kind of watched that. And his, his story was interesting in the fact that he, he just sort of uh, went for it. He was kind of like a normal guy, and, and he went for it. He was able to do a whole lot in the world. So I guess, like, uh, just a combination of, of always, always liking pro wrestling and, and being a fan from a young age, and then just kind of seeing something from a guy who just sort of went for it one day, which is kind of what I did with, with my own wrestling career. Uh, the two of them together kind of helped me uh, get into the business. It's interesting because you said that there was, you know, you took baseball as far as you thought you could, but with an athletic background like that was, did you ever think that, now was there like ever a college scholarship or something that you could have taken that um, further maybe, or not not necessarily? With baseball, I mean, I was a Division One baseball player. I, I, I was a four-year starter at the College of Holy Cross, and uh, coming out of high school, I mean, I was recruited, not heavily, but recruited by a number of Division One schools, and there were some professional prospects out of high school as well. So baseball was kind of playing A, B, and C. And I was fully planning, I mean, pretty much up until I was about 22 years old, on being a professional baseball player with my, my professional life. So things being with the way they go, and, you know, sometimes uh, athletic goals don't work out the way you want them to. And, you know, that kind of left me at a, a weird crossroads where, like, I wanted to keep doing something athletic because I'd been an athlete my whole life, and I knew, like, I still had a lot of professional caliber athleticism left in me. So, uh, you know, pretty much uh, with, with baseball, what it really did was it, it gave me a nice handhold into the world professional wrestling in the sense of I was already a conditioned athlete. I already knew how to train. I knew uh, the concept of failure and, and coming back from it and, and continuing to move forward. Um, now, 
how did you find training? Uh, as you've, you've decided you were going to pursue it, you start to move into your training. Uh, training under Ryan Walters, H2O Ryan Walters, Nick Steele, uh, Lockup Wrestling School. Um, that professional wrestling, and, and how is it that you feel that those maybe experiences helped you? And what was the differences maybe between them? Well, uh, okay, so actually the, the training for wrestling and baseball is actually quite similar. Uh, like the sport that you're doing, it, it might be different, and like the drills that you're doing are different. Obviously, they're, they're completely different games, but uh, they, they are they are very similar in the sense that like baseball is a very mechanical sport, and there's definitely mechanics of wrestling, and baseball is also a big finesse sport. So if you've noticed, like a lot of professional baseball players, they don't necessarily end up being that prototypical like six four, two hundred thirty pound linebacker type. That's like the traditional pro wrestler style as well. between um, different trainers per se like what did you walk away from from experience to experience that uh, maybe one led you in one direction one maybe helped solidify that and kind of built on the foundation you created which one would you say you walked away from very specific things from oh i would say uh, nick Steele is definitely into the uh physical aspect of wrestling he likes the he really teaches the uh, i guess I, what i really took away from him was the more uh like hard-nosed nature of wrestling the Often, yeah, you know, I, I hear about the the mental aspect that goes into it, and you know, there is the 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 actual sport and the entertainment and and the work that goes in, and the toll it can take on you mentally. Um, you know, how prepared is anybody to do that? That's something that um, you need that support to be help develop. It sounds like you got that too. Oh no doubt, man. I I, I always say that like. 
be successful in pro wrestling, like, you need to have your outside life in order. There's no way you'll survive if, like, something's wrong at home or, you know, the, the outside wrestling life is unstable in any way. And uh, having somebody to help you make sure that all that stuff's in order is absolutely essential. Where did the Wild Horse moniker initially come from, and uh, how do you think it best reflects you in the ring? <laughs> so the the whole idea of being a, the, the sassy Wild Horse came from, uh, honestly, originally it came from the outfits that I tend to wear. Like, uh, if you ever catch me outside of the ring, I, I, I wear, like, leggings, or I wear, like, some, like, tight pants and a tight shirt. Very, dressed very, uh, very snappy, let's put it that way. <laughs> and uh, between that and my long highlighted hair, the sort of where the whole idea of, of, uh, of being this sort of individual with a very manly-esque frame and uh, a way of holding uh, himself that's you know, hyper-masculine with this sort of uh, sassy appearance, I guess. I, there's something about that that I always thought was cool. And uh, Wild Horse, I mean, man, that's like a, that's a baseball, like, uh, like you want to be described as a horse in baseball. Like, you want to be that, that guy that can, that can run, that's strong, that people can jump on his back, a uh, guy that gets the work done, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, and the idea of being a wild person is that, like, if you know me, like, I'm not really one to just sort of tame, you know? I'm not really one to, to just sort of fall in line and do what I'm told. I'm a perennial rule breaker. I'm an envelope pusher. And I've become a line stepper. It's just kind of the way I've always been. So I uh, put it all together and bam, that's a wild horse. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, you know, he's a thoroughbred as well. Look at that. He's uh, right. <laughs> um, how did joining Ring of Honor initially all come about? And what was going through your mind upon, you know, your debut match as part of the kingdom? My whole opportunity with Ring of Honor came about. It, it was actually, I mean, that's like a whole, uh, a whole like, podcast in itself, man. Because, uh, so we'll leave that up for part two, but you can get started. <laughs> sure. But the, uh, the, the, basic, the basic synopsis goes like this. Uh, when I spoke uh, Ryan... Uh, Now, two 
time when we lost the World Tag Team Champions. And uh, as far as your other question, man, I know you asked for the first match. Uh, yeah. With Asphalt, man, honestly, it was, uh, it, felt, it felt like what I was supposed to do. Like, uh, I don't really believe in being nervous. And I, I joke around with guys all the time before my matches. Like, I'll, I'll sit there and put air guitar on my belt or just otherwise completely screw off and not look like I'm having any sort of focus at all. Because to me, if you're nervous, it means you're unprepared and I'll never be unprepared. So there's no need to be nervous, you know? Nice. Well, it just felt right by the sounds of it. Like, it just came together in the right time and you were with the right people. And uh, it just it's kind of like that family kind of coming together when they were supposed to. Absolutely, man. Dude, talent and skill is great, but timing is everything in this world. And uh, to go out there, main event in Lowell, which is in my home state of Massachusetts, with my two best friends, Vinny and Matt, against the Young Bucks and Adam Cole, who at the time were the Ring of Honor Tag Team and World Champions, respectively. I mean, it's just an all-perfect storm of just, it all felt right. It felt like that was where I was supposed to be. Now, when the decision to create a six-man tag team championship in Ring of Honor initially came about, um, how did the decision factor into have the Kingdom emerge as champions? And uh, what did that initial experience feel like um, after emerging as a champion? Because you're still really new relatively to the business, but you're being thwarted into a leadership role as a champion, right? Where it's um, you're in demand everywhere, right? So it's not just, um, I'm here, I, I'm uh, important, but I'm here, I'm a face of a division. I'm So there's a lot of like, intangibles that kind of go into it. No, no doubt, man. And, you know, the, the interesting thing is, is add-on on top of that is we're new to this company. And yeah. uh, right away, huge target on your back. I mean, we're bringing in these guys from the outside. That, I mean, I've never, I had never even had a dark match for of honor. I was brought in basically sight unseen, thrust no made of that right away. Uh, putting uh, having the belt and, and being paraded around as champions and doing our thing initially, uh, I mean, there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure to perform. I didn't have a lot of six-man tag team experience before I got to Ring of Honor. Uh, so now I was in something that I was uncomfortable with that I had to kind of learn on the fly that we couldn't just, we couldn't afford to make mistakes of learning. We were champions. We had to get it right the first time. And uh, it was something that I think that, uh, to be honest, I think the kingdom doesn't get enough credit for and that we were thrust into this position that is completely difficult to pull off. We pulled it off in style, and honestly, had I not broken my leg, we probably would have never even lost the title in the first place. So we proved ourselves as champions. We continued to do so. The craziest part about all of it was everything we were doing was like the equivalent of uh, building a plane and flying at the same time. You know, like, uh, this, this has to work. We have no choice. This must go correctly. Mm-hmm. And uh, initially, the, the response from people was sort of this, uh, like, you know, the kingdom, they, they won these titles. No one's ever had these before. Uh, what do these really mean? Uh, you know, they're not real champions. They're just, you know, yada, yada, yada. But in reality, we were setting the tone for a new division. Uh, we set that bar for the excellence that is the ring of our six-man tag division. And we continue to be on top of it to this day. So, I mean, it, it was really, uh, it's quite the experience, something I'm never going to forget for my entire life. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five. per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. 
the kingdom that we see today are very unlike the prior incarnation of the group. And you did mention, you know, that perfect storm of you and Vinny's inclusion in the group. Um, how are the complexities and styles, personality and ringability, um, how have they been able to come together and make it as successful as it is? What is it? Um, because uh, Matt often will walk out, whether, you know, as in, whether it's legitimately um, in character, I'm going to say that it is. But um, also, I believe that the part of the friendship is tied to it when he says, you know, it's made in his image. Are there qualities in TK and qualities in Vinny that are also reflected in Matt and qualities in Vinny that are reflected in TK? Like, is it what is it that you think has made it work as well as it has? I think what's made it work as well as it has is that we're real life friends mm-hmm. and that we're not we're not work friends. We're not business partners. We're not we're not in anything. We were we're friends. We were friends before we were tagging together. Before I even knew we were going to be in the kingdom, uh, we were we were friends. So the chemistry is tough to match. We're not a super group that was formed of a bunch of independent wrestling stars and thrown together. We are a group of real friends that had to figure out how to be champions at the ring of honor level together. So the chemistry that we created, I feel like, is second to none. And I also feel that a big advantage we have is that uh, you could take any combination of the of the three of us, whether it be myself and Vinny, which is the tag team quite frequently, or you could do Vinny and Taven, which we've seen a few times. You could see taking myself and Matt Taven, and all of us could be an effective uh, regular tag team, as well as the three of us together being a six man. And any of the three of us individually are capable of carrying solo matches. So I think that our versatility has really helped us uh, kind of create something unique. And as far as like the personality bits that are in there, Taven is very much a showman. He's uh, he's all about like the razzle dazzle pro wrestling. Vinny is all about like the look and the and the the, the attitude. Uh, I really kind of fell in love with the in-ring portion of, of of the game. And the three of us together, we kind of each pull each other up with our strength, the little uh, maybe the, the not so strengths that we might have. The other ones more than out for us. So uh, it's just it's just an interesting combination of. Uh, uh, we, we have kind of a similar training, so we all are kind of on the same page of what we do. And then when it really comes down to uh, the King of David's image, I mean, that's exactly what he's done. I mean, myself and Matt are so similar. Uh, we're both loud people. We both like to, to be centers of attention. We both like to, uh, you know, command an audience. Vinny and Matt are the same way. Uh, it's slightly different, whereas uh, they're, they're similar in, like, their interests. It's because you're friends, there's no ego, everything's left at the door. You guys just go in there as friends and, and come out as friends. And that's anybody that's watching that can definitely see that portion of it too. So uh, that's terrific. No doubt. One of the most interesting things that um, you, it's its interesting because of just the connection. Um, you'd faced Mike Bennett for Northeast Championship, and you'd mentioned the connection there and the relationship and the friendship. But how did the matches uh, between you and Mike necessarily come about? Um, what was the thinking behind it? Uh, were you happy with hap- with what the end result was and, uh, and how it's taken place and how it took place? Actually, initially, uh, of wrestling against Mike at Northeast Wrestling was one of the one of the things that really got any attention in the wrestling world in the first place. We uh, probably like my second match with the, with with Northeast Wrestling or third match, I can't exactly remember. Second or third match with the company, and uh, myself and Mike we went twenty plus minutes and just just went out there and just killed each other. And uh, after that match was when I started to get some attention at the local level of like, oh, this TK kid might be might be worth uh, checking out. Over the 
interesting because uh, when it came down to uh, the two of us going over for the Northeast uh, Wrestling Championship, or Northeast Wrestling uh, Heavyweight Championship, I should say, uh, at that point, Mikey was uh, doing his own thing, and myself and Vinny had just been as part of the kingdom. And uh, it led to an interesting uh, story of kind of uh, old people, new kingdom. And uh, as far as was I, was I happy with how it turned out, well, son of a bitch beat me for the title and never got a rematch. <laughs> <laughs> really. Do you still connect with them at all? Yeah, of course. Uh, he just had his, his beautiful uh, baby girl, Freddie Moon, and uh, they are, him and Maria are living happy and all that. I, I don't see them so used to because they moved out to the Chicago area, but uh, when they were in Providence, I saw them all the time. And to this day, we still text and, and things like that. That's cool. Good to hear. Are you looking for the newest and hottest in the world of pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 6,000 hours of the best events from over 150 of your favorite promotions from 20 different countries around the globe. Brands like Progress Wrestling, Evolve Wrestling, Combat Zone, Defy, PCW Ultra, PWX, Over the Top, Shine, and hundreds of others with fresh content added every day for only five. $5.99 per month. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. Fans will recall one of the most difficult injuries to watch uh, was the one you had sustained, um, delaying your progress. Um, how has that process after recovery helped you to become a better performer uh, mentally, physically? Um, I guess you probably channeled some of those earlier days of how there's that mental preparation to make you better. Well, here's the thing. I, I'm going to disagree with you in holding my progress. Because in my opinion, that leg injury was the best thing that ever happened to me. Okay, and, uh, I think it vaulted me forward. Now, I don't think it helped a whole lot with my in-ring development, but uh, as far as being a weekly character on television, it gave the audience a chance to see a whole different side of me that I hadn't really been able to display in a six-man match. So I was able to be a manager for Matt and Dingle's matches, or a manager for Vinny and even when they were doing their tag matches. Uh, all kinds of promos in the back, uh, using my crutches to my advantage. Uh, right. Doing, doing stuff that sometimes in the go, go, go nature of a six-man tag, you might not necessarily be able to, to put on display as much. Uh, also, too, I mean, think about like when a rapper gets arrested for selling drugs and puts out a new album. <laughs> it's kind of like hmm. good for business in a way. And, and as it turns out, pro wrestling fans absolutely dig it when a pro wrestler gets hurt pro wrestling. You know, go figure, right? Yeah. And it's, Matt and Vinny were kind of having the sympathy pain for me, and we're all just 
kind of feeling we were sorry for each other, but that's where being friends helped a ton. I mean, it really probably saved us as a group and that we're all just kind of able to lean on each other a little bit, you know, uh, circle the wagons and weather the storm. And now that I'm healthy again and, and Matt and Vinny are in the best shape they've been in, I mean, you know, look at us now. So I guess it all sort of, all's well that ends well, and it's not like I, I'm happy that it happened, but I don't necessarily regret it either. Well, from an outsider's perspective, the outpouring of support you received, um, um, your ability to market yourself, I mean, it did provide you opportunities to maybe step back and re-look at other things as well. So um, I can definitely see that as a benefit. Oh, no doubt, man. And it just, I mean, it helped me, it helped me build a network. It helped me, uh, like, I found out, you'll say the TK Ryan word that, I found you to uh, real friends of TK Ryan were that. You know, it's just, it's all those moments of tragedy really are a blessing in disguise. You just got to kind of see through all the, all the BS in front of you. But that kind of stuff in, in, the, in the wrestling world, man, it, it ends up being a blessing. I mean, well, put it this way, Rick Flair doesn't have to wrestle that he was at that point of the crash. It adds to the legend. Mm-hmm. It really does. Uh, it's also your mindset, TK. I mean, uh, a weaker person probably wouldn't have looked at it as positively as you can, so you really should be commended on that. Well, thanks, man. But like I said, man, I've already, I wanted to be a pro baseball player. Like, the concept of getting your dreams crushed, like, I've already been through it. At this point, like, you can throw anything you want at me. I'll still be standing. <laughs> Um, competing in Japan is unlike what uh, many maybe necessarily would have experienced in, say, North America. But uh, Ring of Honor tends to have this constant exchange of talent between uh, New Japan and Ring of Honor. What have you found uh, the difference in maybe facing talent that have de- developed there as opposed to those that have developed here? Because I know there's an ability to, to adapt to different styles, whether it's jo- Joshi or Lucha or American or British Strong Style. But um, in facing some of the, uh, the Japanese talent, uh, how have you found, outside of language being a barrier, how have you found some of the right. adjustment? Or well, I would say, okay, a big difference right off the bat would be like, I would say the average Japanese wrestler has a more thorough kind of um, ground game knowledge in that it's the, the way they're trained in Japan. I mean, I'm not exactly privy to it. I've never been trained in Japan before, but just in my experience working with Japanese wrestlers, it seems that the Japanese wrestlers tend to have a much uh, stronger grip on uh, like the amateur style wrestling and, and grappling takedown things like that. Um, they tend they, they tend to be I don't want to use the word tougher, but there's definitely that that fighting spirit that you hear about is definitely real. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, it's just the way they're trained. It's, it's the way they. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's the way they approach wrestling. I suppose uh, American wrestlers tend to be a bit flashy. Tend to be a bit. I guess a little more pers- personality driven. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it just so. But it makes for uh, incredibly dynamic matches. In, in, in wrestling, like the coolest thing is that like styles make matchups, and uh, working with Japanese guys is always a special treat because you're you're going to be doing something a little different than you're used to. Uh, was there anyone in particular that um, it just clicked? But it was like, wow, I, I really walked away with a different uh, appreciation, respect, not just for their training, but uh, for them as uh, a competitor. Tanahashi, yeah, Tanahashi, no doubt about it. Uh, what I, when I, I've had a very, very brief experience on Ahashi in the ring. We worked together in Scotland, and uh, that just opened up my eyes to, 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 I guess, like a different level of greatness. He's uh, like he he. Uh, it's, it's almost, it's almost hard to describe exactly like what I'm getting at, but Tanahashi was uh, just a different level. Like the way he interacts with the crowd, the way people just he just feeds off energy. It's unbelievable. Um, but he, he was something else, and not for nothing. But the the gentleman that we're wrestling the best in the world coming up, uh, 
Chief Sonata and uh, Evil there. Uh, there, are no, there are other guys that are incredibly impressive. Uh, just this, the, the stuff that they all do. Uh, it's just, uh, I would say, overall, the guy that impressed me most is Tanahashi. He's just such a star, just such a, a presence, such a, a way about him as an aura. Just the, every, the way he moves, the way he, the way he handles people, it's just, uh, he's incredible. Uh, I was talking to some people, and I said, you know, if you have a Japanese version of a Mount Rushmore, uh, I can't think of anybody that hasn't said Tanahashi really is part of the core. He's a, I, when people, when my friends kind of outside of wrestling ask me that, that sort of, because that is sort of the question that I'll get from like my friends that are kind of outside of wrestling, what's it like wrestling Japanese guys? Uh, Tanahashi, I, I, the best way, he's Japanese John Cena. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's their big, uh, big star, big, big star. Now, the Ring of Honor locker room is deep in talent and history. How has learning from veterans like uh, Jay Lethal helped you to become the best around? Uh, it is the reason that I've become the best around. I've always called myself that the minute I've started, but my experience at Ring of Honor has really led me to truly believe in it and really, really promote myself as the best around. Uh, I would say that the, there is a... Like the most interesting guys, uh, wrestling them a ton early on when you got no choice but to learn. And that was me and myself and Vinny wrestled uh, uh, Shelly and uh, and uh, Saban early on in our Ring of Honor career a ton. Um, and those guys get you up to speed in a hurry. You have no choice. They're one of the best tag teams of the last 20 or 30 years. And uh, you have no choice but to keep up. Uh, the Briscoes, I mean, the tag team division, the Young Bucks, obviously. I mean, the, the Ring of Honor tag team division is, is something serious. Um, so from a tag team perspective, whether it be six-man or just your traditional tag, uh, the locker room has been uh, just the competition alone. Like, knowing that if I go out there and I can't hang with this guy, I don't belong here. And that's pretty much the way it works in Ring of Honor. You hear a lot about this. Like, there's a Ring of Honor style. And uh, the truth is that the Ring of Honor style is that it's the best wrestling in the world. Whatever that means uh, to whatever particular wrestler uh, is different. But the common denominator is every single person in Ring of Honor, whether it be a Jay Lethal in a singles match or the Motor City Machine in a tag match, every single person in Ring of Honor is the best in the world at what they do. So uh, it's been uh, crucial to my development. Being around guys like Lethal, uh, Jay Briscoe, uh, man, I mean, the list really goes on and on and on. Uh, those guys just kind of jump like to the top of my mind. And, and not for nothing, Matt Caven, too, mm-hmm. who is a very accomplished singles wrestler, world-traveled veteran, who knows exactly what he's doing in and out of the ring. Uh, under his umbrella has been absolutely humongous for my growth. Uh, that's just, that's the thing, man. The Ring of Honor, man. every single person, best in the world of what they do. As we approach the midway point of 2018, what are what plans are in store for TK Orion today and beyond? Well, for today and beyond, I'm going to continue to do what I do, which is continue to be the best around, continue to climb up that Ring of Honor ladder, and, and continue to just impress people with how quickly I get things done. Uh, you know, I think something that maybe doesn't get mentioned when people talk about me is that I haven't been wrestling for very long. I'll be four years in November. Mm-hmm. I've been working for Ring of Honor for two out of the three years that I've been actively wrestling. Uh, I've been in, in the main event of Ring of Honor since I've been in the company. Like, there was no slow climb to the top. That's just where I debuted. I want to continue to prove that, that I'm the main event star that I've been since I've started in Ring of Honor. And then when I continue to grow, when I get even further than I am now, but there's going to be no stopping me. Outstanding. Um, now, before we let you go, we were just curious if you were up for a little game. Sure. 
Okay, so this is a, a Pro Wrestling Post podcast exclusive. We just do it just here. Um, so if anybody is listening, this is a, uh, sorry, anybody to, who is listening, this wouldn't be available in script. This is just a podcast exclusive. So the game is called Wrestling Tinder. Uh, much like regular, <laughs> I always got to chuckle when I mention the name. Um, anytime, again, much like regular Tinder, if you're interested in a topic, you swipe right. If you're not interested in the topic, you swipe left. Okay, so um, um, you suffered an injury that was pretty serious, pretty severe, but at the same time, a lot of wrestlers um, going into this know it's not ballet. However, um, what are the chances of the idea of healthcare being provided for talent to protect them, not necessarily just for today, but even for the future? Uh, Swipe right. Okay, go for it. (laughs) I guess there's a lot of science to to every argument and things like that. Uh, The thing that, you know, a lot of wrestlers are independent contractors. And obviously, when it comes to insurance and things like that with independent contracting, it can get a little messy. Uh, if you're a full-time employee of a company, then you know, there's, well, you know, there probably should be different benefits that are offered. Uh, without getting too gnarly into it, I mean, there's options out there. Like injury, I was covered via other insurance options. So I guess while I am in favor for it, I also do see the business side of things and that there's other options out there. And, you know, you got to be responsible. Fantastic. Was there anything you wanted to make fans aware of as it pertains to TK Orion, The Kingdom, Ring of Honor, and where fans can connect with you? Yeah, be aware of The Kingdom. Truly appreciate the talent that we do have. Don't just buy into the narrative that there's only one group in wrestling that's worth a damn. The Kingdom is the only group in the entire world that you can have the three of us be in a six-man, any combination of the three of us be a tag team, and any one of the three of us be in a main event singles match that night. We're the only team that has that kind of variety. We're the only team that cuts promos that match that sort of variety. And there's a lot more to pro wrestling than one group that controls everything. Thank you for listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast with your host, Mark Madison. Once again, please visit ProWrestlingPost.com for interviews, blogs, and upcoming events in your area. And be sure to download the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Anchor, or whatever podcast app you prefer.